yes, it's getting the strength back, but then we also think about coordination. So just like any other muscle group in the body, um, there needs to be a fast reaction time. So um, not just like when we're laughing, sneezing, coughing, running, jumping, that's a quick change, change in pressure. Um, so it's not just holding a really strong Kegel, but we're really retraining our nervous system um, to react in time. So that could be a reason why if some women are like, I do my Kegels. Like, I don't know why this right. is still happening. Well, it's like you can have a really strong pelvic floor and still leak urine. Um, and so that's why a full examination by a pelvic health PT, we're going to test out the strength, um, the coordination. Also, if those muscles can relax, we need those muscles to relax with breathing, with sex, with going to the bathroom. Um, so a lot of women who have just been prescribed, like, do your Kegels, do your pelvic floor muscle exercises, and it's not working for them, there's so many more components to that muscle that we need to look at. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Advice Not Given podcast. Each week, we share unfiltered, truth-telling conversations between two friends. You're invited to eavesdrop as we give each other the advice you didn't ask for, but wish you did. We're your hosts, Kelly Artis and Claire Wood of Millspo Gurus, and this is Advice Not Given. Welcome back to episode 29 of the Advice Not Given podcast. We're so ready to have this conversation today. Um, We've been building up to it all month as we have talked all things relationships. We've talked about marriage. We've shared about extended family members and parenting. We've had a conversation, another conversation about the Enneagram and relationships. And today you asked for it. And we are delivering, we are talking all about physical intimacy. We're talking about sex today. So we do want to give a quick disclaimer to anyone who might have little ears listening. This would be a good time to put in your earbuds. We also want to give a disclaimer to Kelly's mom, Teresa, and my mom, Teresa. (laughs) You may not want to listen to this unless you want to hear some. um, Just just skip it, mom. (laughs) Yeah, just skip it. Just skip it. It may make you blush. Uh, We're ready to have the conversation if, I'm just going to say to my mom, if you listen to this, please don't bring it up to me. Okay. Just don't tell me. <laughs> it never happens. <laughs> right. But we felt that it would be, um, we would be incomplete to not mention this because all relationships um, and all facets of relationships are really hitting us emotionally, mentally, spiritually, and physically. And we wanted to be sure to cover the physical part. So Kelly, why don't you start with your story from a TV show you've watched recently? I okay, so you guys, I'm late to the train, but there's a show called Grace and Frankie that <laughs> my mother in law has turned me on to. Um, and it's about this, um, these older couples, it's two couples. Uh, the men uh, leave their wives for each other, which is interesting. And then the women are kind of left to try to figure out how to put the pieces of their lives back together. And they kind of start this, uh, you know, start stop kind of relationship with each other, like a friendship. And they're learning just how to navigate their lives um, in their golden years now right. as new single women. Okay. So the one character's name is Grace and they got to talking about like moving on and new relationships and intimacy with like new boyfriends or whatever. Um, and she starts this relationship with a man. It's coach. I forget his name, the actor's name. Gosh. Yeah. He was on parenthood. No, he was on parenthood. He was the dad and parent. Yeah. Or the grandpa. There you go. Thank you. Um, so she starts this relationship with him and they had, um, they they hooked up, quote unquote. I'm going to use as mature language as I can 
<laughs> as I can muster. And uh, it was fine, as, as her words. <laughs> but she she basically left kind of unfulfilled. And she's like, what am I doing? I don't want to do this again. Like, I don't have another relationship where I'm just like, meh, you know, going through the motions. And there was this really great scene where I guess Frankie kind of tried to empower her to like talk about her body and tell him what she wants and tell him what she doesn't like and things like that to, to be able to have a greater level of intimacy with him. And she was so uncomfortable by it. She's like, no, oh my God, I'm not going to say that word. And I'm not right. going to do that thing. And, um, but she ends up kind of having this moment of like brilliance. Honestly, he wants to get up and take her to the bedroom. And she's like, actually, hold on. Will you dance with me? And he was like, oh, you know, I don't know how to dance. I have two left feet. No, no, no. All these excuses. And she's like, it's okay. I'll lead you. And then there's this whole sweet moment where she slows everything down. She puts on a record. Like, you know, how tactile. And like, Mm -hmm. I just, I loved every, all of the metaphors. She like leads him out onto the balcony and they start dancing. He tells, she tells him like where to place his hand and what she, and he's like, now what? And she's like, look into my eyes. Just everything about it was beautiful. And obviously alluding to like, you know, the way she plans on communicating with him later on. Anyway, I thought it was great. And the main thing that I left from that was like, wow, how empowering of her to be able to now communicate what her wants and needs are. Um, but also how tragic that she had, to, she was 70 years old before she discovered that. Um, so. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's part of our, <laughs> our hope and goal here. By the time you finish listening to this episode is we want you to see the importance of not waiting until your golden years mm-hmm. or until your seventies to realize, wow, you know, like maybe I haven't been, my emo- my uh, intimacy needs have not been met all along. So mm-hmm. that's what we're here to help you with today to think through that. So we want to start off by first talking about what might some of the the blocks to intimacy be? What what could be ooh, some ooh, of I the have one? Yeah, go. I have one. Geographic distance. <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. For those of that's us with service one. member spouses, absolutely. You go these lengthy periods of time with no physical contact. So that's definitely a block. <laughs> What did you tell me the other day, Claire? I was I was telling Claire about how I'm going to rearrange my like all the bedrooms upstairs. I'm going to like move all this furniture and buy this new stuff. And she's laughing. I was like, "What's wrong? What'd you tell me?" <laughs> I said that I've heard it said that when a woman starts moving furniture, it is a sign of what did I say? Sexual <laughs> frustration. Frustration. Yes, it's a sign of sexual frustration when women start mm-hmm. moving furniture. <laughs> I've also been biting my fingernails. I think that's another one. So. Uh, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so besides go. besides physical distance, um, we have made a short little list here. Another one we say is a lot of times men and women can be disconnected from their bodies and from their physical desires. Um, Kelly? Yeah. So that goes back to, again, self-awareness, right? Like, first of all, are you in your body in the moment? Are you present? Are you stuck up in your head? You know, right? Like, are you, have you connected with your body enough to feel comfortable with your body, uh, with the lights on? So that goes back to the, the show again. She has this whole, their, their first encounter, she had like all the lights off. It was like, right. <laughs> she's so embarrassed. And what if he sees, you know, that my skin wobbles and I've got chin hairs and all this. And um, it's like, well, I mean, we all have stuff, right? But you've got to right. be comfortable in your own skin before you can expect somebody else to be comfortable navigating that also with you. Um, yeah, I think that's one. And I think just not having given yourself the opportunity to explore, (laughs) um, Mm -hmm. maybe what's, um, what, where your buttons are, right? Like, what is it that you do enjoy being again, self-aware, like knowing like what your 
needs are, where your zones are, what your thing is, what you like, and being able to voice what you don't like is a big one too. So. Right. Well, and we've talked about how for women, it can often be um, issues, maybe even associated with how your body is not functioning and isn't even in the same shape. Um, and I'm talking like mm. your overall figure, but also your <laughs> female anatomy, especially after yeah. you've had children. And um, so there's a, a plug for getting, you know, see your doctor. Like if there's something that needs to, to happen and, you know, to get things back <laughs> somewhat normal um, in your vaginal area, then definitely like look into that. But also becoming less self-conscious of your overall physical appearance. And um, I know a lot of times you hear that most of the time your husband, uh, he is not worried about that extra five pounds. Like that's not even on his mind when it's time for sexual intimacy. (laughs) So um, try to keep that in mind. So one thing too that I want to go back to is like you you said something about you know stuff working normally and there's a physical component of that for sure like mm-hmm. okay this there is a problem here that needs to be altered but I think a lot of times women especially and maybe men too get hung up on what everything is supposed to look like right, right? like okay I am going to talk about this show I'm not necessarily going to say like go watch it because <laughs> it's um it's edgy. It's out there. Um, you definitely don't watch it with kids anywhere around. But Gwyneth Paltrow has this new reality series or documentary series um, where they're just, you know, deep diving and all kinds of crazy stuff. But they had a whole episode on uh, female anatomy, basically, and like sexuality and everything. And there they were obviously they were focusing on, you know, the ability for women to reach orgasm and like mm-hmm. how to do that. They were giving out some really staggering statistics about how like most, like not just like ish, half ish, like most people, most women don't even know their anatomy enough to be able to say like where it is or what it looks like or what it is all composed of. Gwyneth Paltrow was even like, oh, we don't know our vaginas. And the woman was like, no, your vagina is literally like your birth canal. That's Mm -hmm. it. The stuff you need to be worried about is actually your vulva. And yes, I just said vulva on a podcast. Holy crap. Um, So we're like, but we're glad this isn't video. Um, but yeah, what she was bringing up though is that we've, because of our society and because of how prevalent pornography is, I mean, whether you say you have or haven't watched it or don't partake or not partake, we definitely, there's some sort of standard, like a beauty standard that exists mm-hmm. for everything and especially and including female physiognomy or anatomy. So mm-hmm. like you think, oh, it doesn't look, that doesn't look the way it's supposed to look. Mm-hmm. There's no such thing. There is right. literally no such thing. Um, now, sh- they, they went on to show all of the variances of normal right. <laughs> for, for what a vulva looks like, which was like, oh, my God, turn this off. <laughs> a little much for me. Right. Like, wondered if my neighbors are looking in the house like, what is she watching? <laughs> but but I, it was fascinating, though, because it was like, oh, my God. Oh, wow. I thought that was something that you needed to have, quote, fixed. Right. right. But it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. And actually, it's kind of to your detriment to go and, like, mess with stuff. So, right. anyway, I think I, I again. referring to, like, incontinence or uh, that yeah, kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Those are issues that we do not have to deal with. And those are things that we can work on. And But once again, you just assume that it's normal. Like, oh, I've had a baby. Of course, I'm going to pee my pants. Like, no, it doesn't have – that doesn't have to be – that's a function, right? Right. Um, versus appearance. So even just – even getting down to what's the difference there? Yeah. What is function and what is appearance? Like, what is aesthetic? Yeah. You know? Well, so, and I think, too, you bring up pornography. Like, even taking a step 
for, for a little bit further removed from that, even just as women, the, the imagery we look at on, let's say, Instagram, for example, even if it's fully clothed, we are constantly mm-hmm. um, just inundating ourselves with images of, quote, the ideal and um, tearing down our own self-esteem and the own, our own confidence in our own bodies just by what seems like innocuous scrolling. So right. caution right. there, too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you can't get out of your own head enough to think like, oh, I mean, and I'm saying this as someone who's 100% guilty, like, oh, I am attractive. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, instead of thinking like you're automatically not. And who cares what, whose standard of attractiveness we're using? I, the only, either the only one I need to be concerned about, you right. know? So, but if I'm too consumed with, you know, how, how I'm falling short in any way, uh, but, also all of them, (laughs) then Mm -hmm. I'm never going to get anywhere with my own self. And that then again, like we said, leads to being kind of disconnected from your body Mm -hmm. and like not comfortable in your own skin enough to enjoy your own body and then to enjoy your body with someone else. So, right. Well, and we are not going to spend too terribly much time on this, but Kelly and I have talked at length about being raised in kind of a purity culture Mm -hmm. where, um, you know, in a, for lack of a better way to put it, like you're just told from a young age, like maybe through church culture, especially sex is bad. Um, not save, save yourself for your marriage partner, but just it's bad. Don't do it. You know, like, so there's that whole, almost like a shame you can bring into feeling guilty for pleasure in, in your marriage, which should not be at all the case. Like it, there is no guilt there when it's your spouse. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But I think for yep. many, many women, and maybe it's just Kelly and I who are raised in like Southern church culture. Um, there's that whole level of disconnect as well. Well, for me, it was always more like it's a function. This is how you procreate. It's right. not like you're not supposed to enjoy it. And if yeah. you do, you're probably doing something wrong. Right. Like this is your, you know, being slutty or whatever, mm-hmm. like you know, whatever it is, like women don't act that way, mm-hmm. um, which is really unfortunate because you're actually denying some serious chemical bonding that is supposed right. to occur between two people that are like cohabitating and, and, mm-hmm. you know, li- you know, living together. What do you? like mating essentially. I mean, like Mm -hmm. we're still like animals (laughs) to some extent, like those bonds have to exist. But when you break it down into like, well, if, if you enjoy yourself or heaven forbid, you ask for pleasure, right. Mm -hmm. Or you that, oh, I like that or whatever. I know that's been one of my biggest hangups and not to get too personal, but I mean, it really is like, that's where all of that stems from. It's like, Mm You as a woman were essentially an object or a possession to be passed on mm-hmm. um, through this covenant of marriage, which, okay, cool. I get, you know, I, I know I'm taking an extreme path down this road here, but this is kind of how I interpret it. Mm-hmm. Um, if you're just a vessel that becomes broken when and if you lose your virginity, right? right. Or you no longer hold your value once you can no longer bear children, you know, right. you're like, well, shoot. What in the world is the point? Like, yeah. why do I, I don't want to go have sex if this is all it's for. Right. Like, I, yay. This sounds fun. Yeah. Can't wait. <laughs> Can't wait. <laughs> so, but, but in all serious, I think there's a lot of trauma that can be locked up in that with a lot of people and depending on how you were brought up and how you've kind of evolved away from it or maybe deconstructed that um, could cause huge disconnects and huge mental blocks. So. Yeah. Well, and I think from the experience I grew up in, not to shame anybody or point out any one person's issues. But I know like 
in the youth group, for example, that I grew up in, it was just, you know, don't have sex, uh, don't have, don't get pregnant. And like, there were so many girls that got pregnant because it was almost like the the more, the more they said, don't, the more certain people were like drawn to it. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah. And, and for me, like there was a specialness to saving that for marriage, but it did come with a lot of baggage of like, yeah, I don't enjoy this. It's not meant to be fun. And I still remember, I don't know why this just came to mind, but when Ryan and I were newly married, somebody had put us onto this Bible study through studying the Song of Songs in the Bible, which is this very like sexy, pleasuresome, you know, like book of the Bible. And um, Uh we we watched a couple of the DVD episodes of it. We were like, okay, (laughs) this is kind of weird. But um, so I definitely think your, your past or your, what, however you were brought up, you know, if there was some, tie in to that purity culture that it wasn't all bad, but there was a lot of, I think a lot of damage done with that. um, And and misinformation and like lack of knowledge, right? Like you're not even, you don't know what your body can even do other than, I mean, I don't know about you, like the main thing we focused on in school and church and whatnot was just, you get your period. Like that was birds in the face for us. Like we literally did not get a sex talk, you know? So it's like, Oh, then what are we, how are we supposed to like navigate sexuality in a healthy way if we don't even have the basics? Um, I know, you know, we've come a long way from that. I think nowadays, just because Mm -hmm. of the access that kids have, you almost have to get ahead of it. Um, But back then you didn't have the internet like that. (laughs) So and I would even say like, I personally don't really even want my kids learning about that from the internet, Mm -hmm. but Ryan and I made a very conscious decision early on with our own children that we were not going to mince words and that we were not going to wait until they were teenagers to have like one singular awkward talk about sex and our our philosophy has kind of been talk early and talk often and you don't have to have a long conversation but we found that as we were able to early on talk about the different biological aspects of sexuality and body parts and you know um, anatomy reproduction as we were able to do that in a very like almost scientific way it has made talking about the emotional aspects of sexuality much easier because Mm -hmm. we're using words they've heard a lot. And yeah. And so not that we have anything figured out. I'm sure it (laughs) humiliates my kids. A few months ago, I sat them down and we were talking about sexually transmitted diseases and they were just looking at me like, Oh my gosh, can this please be over? And we're about to put them in public school when we move. And I have already told around, I was like, I think we need to sit down and like explain to them like, slang, what slang terms are for certain things, because I don't want them to hear it and either A, be going around repeating something that's terrible that they don't even know what it is, or worse, find themselves feeling awkward because they don't even know what somebody's talking about. And I'd rather them hear it from me and feel embarrassed than not know or feel silly, you know? So Yep. No, I love that. I think that's great. And I'm going to circle back to you when we get a little bit farther down the road and parents yeah. <laughs> are yeah. still a little too young, but yeah. Cause I want the same thing for them. Like I want them more than anything. I want them to be able to come to me with questions. Um, yeah. Versus, yeah, their friend. I remember, yeah, we learned all the mechanics from these kids in like fifth grade or fourth mm-hmm. grade <laughs> in the hallway at my private school. We were having these really raunchy conversations of like, 
oh, you know, yeah. <laughs> it was hilarious back then, but like, that is not the way you need to find out stuff. So yeah. yeah. Well, and we've I also hear- said that like, if we, if we want our kids to, um, you know, if we want their goal to be a satisfied monogamous marriage relationship, then we need to be modeling what a happy, mm-hmm. yeah. loving one looks like. Not that we invite them into the bedroom, but like that they know that that is part of our marriage. That's fun and enjoyable. And, um, it's not a secret. And again, there's a line there, like you don't want to cross, but you know, to, for a kid to wake up at 15 or 16 and be like, Oh, did my parents have done that? You know, like <laughs> we don't want that yeah. either. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's like they first, they learn where babies come from. Then they're like, Oh my God. Ew. <laughs> right. Right. Well, the um, last, the last thing we had on our list in terms of being maybe a hindrance to intimacy or a block to intimacy. And this is a big one. We've talked about it in other mm-hmm. facets, but it's communication. Um, and we, I think what we mean by that is sometimes a failure to communicate with your partner what you like and what feels good and not being ashamed to say it or to show it. (laughs) Well, also too, like just being able to dump everything else that you've got going on, right? Like, so maybe you're withholding communicating about anything. could be anything like stressful thing that happened during your day. It's going to be harder for you to get to a place where you can just like clear all that out and like focus on what's happening at the moment. (laughs) Um, It will totally be a block to intimacy because you're not even present. Um, So being able to communicate, like on all areas, but then yes, also feeling uh, safe enough right. to communicate. Uh, what did I hear the other day? It was like um, people that are like, <laughs> oh, it was on that show. They were like, this is the last day you fake an orgasm like ever. Mm-hmm. Like, don't lead breadcrumbs down the wrong path. Stop right. doing that. Like stop. People, yeah, we, of course, you know, dude, we think dudes watch porn and they want this. And so we act like that, like the screaming and the silliness, like, no, mm-hmm. quit doing that. You're not doing yourself any favors. You're actually making it worse mm-hmm. because you're reinforcing another sort of path um, that they think they're doing the right thing. Guess what? Mm-hmm. Can't read your mind. Yes. <laughs> so you've got to be able to vocalize that in some way. Maybe have a conversation beforehand or, you know, whatever. Like, what if I give you code word or something? Yeah. Like, come up with your own, like, way of doing that. But certainly don't reinforce things that you don't enjoy or that don't go anywhere. <laughs> right. So. Right. Well, I love the advice that Corey gave on her episode um, about kind of a quick way to reconnect with just kind of sitting and making eye contact and like yes. letting that awkwardness dissipate. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it is awkward at first, but I've also heard before that sometimes a woman needs to be able to communicate her emotions and feelings before she is in a place to experience physical mm-hmm. intimacy. But often a man needs to, f- cre- needs to experience the physical intimacy to then in order, be able to express emotional connection. Isn't that weird? Well, that's right. <laughs> We're just going backwards, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, there might be ways around that too. I mean, we won't get into semantics or whatever. Right. But there but could be- just saying like, yeah. you, may, you may not feel like sexy and in a sexy mood um, because you have so much you need to like get off your chest. But a man, it's almost like they have to have the physical act first. And then they're like, in their afterglow of sure, let me let's talk. <laughs> so that's the best time to have a conversation, though, right? Like, yeah, <laughs> you got them kind of captive. They are like brain gush, and you get to say whatever, you <laughs> ask yeah. for whatever you want. <laughs> yeah, yep, for sure. Oh, goodness. 
Yeah, we would if we've missed anything or if there's something that you can think of those listening um, as it relates to other ways that you can feel like your intimacy meter is off or you're feeling like a a block or um, a hindrance to it. Please let us know, like send us a DM, uh, send us an email. We'd love to. Further. I can't wait to see how many public comments we get <laughs> on our Instagram posts this week. Right. I feel like it's going to be a little quiet. Yeah, yeah. you guys speak up. Find your voice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. So yeah, we are just very interested in making sure that you know that, again, this is another level of self-awareness. Um, you have to have it in your intimate relationships. Uh, it's helpful to find that voice. So definitely... Definitely keep that in mind. We did also want to share just a few resources that we found on this topic. Um, We know that this is a a huge multifaceted, multilayered issue that we cannot cover every part of it in a podcast episode. But uh, one of the things I wanted to share is a site called Psych Armor, like short for psychology. And they have several free courses that you can go through. They're like 40 minute videos. And um, they are actually specific to intimacy issues related to military relationships. So it's a free service, but you do have to provide an email address and a registration to have access to them. But all the courses are done by like PhD level experts and um, get to the heart of some of the the issues facing those of us who find ourselves in frequent physical separations. And then the last thing we want to link to, and you'll find this in the show notes, but military.com did a really great article called 10 Practical Intimacy Tips for Couples Experiencing Deployment. And Kelly and I were going through the list, kind of laughing, kind of admitting some of the things maybe we have done or wouldn't do or will do. So we're going to run through those 10 items really quickly Take them for what they're worth. We are not saying that you should do these things. We are just simply stating that this is someone's uh, suggestion. (laughs) The first one they suggest is to write your own, while you're separated from your spouse, like on a deployment, write your own steamy short stories. Kelly, what's number two? Um, Get creative with care packages. So, Mm -hmm. okay, we'll just leave that there. Like You can ship a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Number three is have a professional boudoir photos taken, like, you know, the singing, seductive, risque. Listen, I have friends that still bust those out and show them off at parties. Like, it's like girlfriends now that did them when they were like 20. They're like, oh, you want to see my boudoir? Nice. (laughs) It's almost like getting back into your wedding dress, you know? It's Uh like this. Yeah. (laughs) So funny. Um, Okay. Number four is uh, play games. Like, would you rather? Uh, (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I real quick, I'm sorry to break the, the the list here, but I was just thinking about the professional photos. I just read a Sophie Kinsella book called Surprise Me, and it's about this couple who like so many years into their marriage, they're kind of like hitting this reality of like, oh my gosh, we're probably going to be married for like 50 more years. How do we keep our marriage alive? And there is the funniest scene she describes. She ends up having her best friend take photos, like boudoir photos for her. Mm-hmm. And it is hilarious because she's trying to make them all steamy, but it's not turning out that way. So if you are into just funny little lighthearted fiction, read Surprise Me. It's so funny. Okay, so back to you mentioned playing games. Number five, um, send handwritten notes. That's sweet. Yep. I like that. And perfume. Who did I? Somebody told me the other day you can't put perfume in a text message or an email. That's true. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Six is start your own private book club or movie club. Um, okay. 
Yeah, sure. (laughs) And I would like to clarify, if you don't go back and read that article, they are not saying make your own movies. They are saying you and your spouse watch the same movie and talk about it. Like... An That's Oscar the premium pack. Like an Oscar. Uh, an yeah, Oscar okay. <laughs> the boudoir extra. <laughs> no. Uh, number seven, go on a date via video chat. And I was sharing with Kelly when Ryan was deployed, um, his birthday happened during that time. And we sent him like a big birthday in a box with streamers and candles for him to put on his cake and light it. And um, that was kind of fun. So we made our own That's date. Great. Yeah, I like that. Um, number eight is journal to one another. Uh, so that. Send back and forth little notebooks, which is yeah. cute. I just yeah. am so bad at going to the post office that that just won't happen. So, yeah. but you cute. could also do it on like a Google Doc if you wanted. You know, if you want to go oh, digital. That's a good idea. Hmm. Yeah, maybe number nine is to read a devotional written for military couples. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Um, okay, and number ten is actually going to be my advice for the day, you guys, and it is play it safe. Um, if, if you're sending stuff, sensitive stuff, uh, don't send it to a work email yeah. <laughs> or like an official DOD anything. Cause guess what? You don't own it. Mm-hmm. Um, also I have heard horror stories of people checking their email at a, you know, a computer bank and then getting up and not logging out of things and everybody else having access to that file or folder, um, mm. which is why you will never find any risque photos of one Kelly artist on the internet Same. at all, ever, forever and ever. Amen. So play that safe. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want people to see it. You don't put it out there. Yeah. Well, and can you also speak to why, why, why you play it safe? We were just talking kind of about how that's the definition of intimacy, really. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, I mean, you've got to be able to feel vulnerable and like feel like you can trust who you're being vulnerable with. So, I mean, I can't think of anything more vulnerable for me personally than exposing my body. Um, so that is something that does not, uh, get recorded in any way, shape or form. Yeah. I like it. Well, I'm going to just go there for my advice and I'm going to leave you all with a little metaphor that I love. Um, imagine you and your husband, go out to dinner. Okay. When you guys go out to dinner, is your husband the only one that eats? Do you just sit and watch him eat and you get up from the table having not eaten and you're still hungry? And mm. and maybe you do this for a long time, maybe like your whole marriage. You go out to eat a couple of times a week, but only your husband eats. So I would challenge you, ladies listening, uh, Make sure you're having dinner too, okay? And I hope you're reading reading between the lines here, but when there is a meal, both people eat, okay? That's right. And um, yeah, and maybe he doesn't get up from the table until you've eaten, especially, yeah. okay? And maybe you have seconds. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that's our advice and our conversation on intimacy. Again, we would love to hear from you. Um, Mom, if you have listened, please, <laughs> again, please don't bring this up to me in person or over the phone because I just won't have that conversation with you. <laughs> hey, guys, just a quick break to talk about an initiative that Claire and I have launched for this year. We are calling it 20 for 20 because we're looking for 20 of our amazing fans and followers to step up and support us as patrons with a monthly recurring donation for as little as a dollar an episode. You can join our community of patrons over on patreon.com 
and give us a tangible girl to keep our efforts going. It will actually help uh, cover some of the overhead that we are not currently seeking sponsorships for. So we're keeping the show ad-free for now and asking you all as our, our fans, followers, and friends to, uh, to help support us. So for as little as $4 a month, you can become a patron to help us with expenses and also unlock tons of really juicy conversations that we reserve uh, for our folks that are inside the gate. <laughs> so be sure to check that out at patreon.com slash gurus. When you have a chance, let us know if you want to take up the call, help us out, um, and help us expand and level up this podcast. Your donation would go towards things like technology upgrades, uh, hardware upgrades, and also help us uh, commit the time and energy towards creating a really highly polished and produced show. So if that's something that sounds interesting, please check it out. Let us know what you think. Um, And we look forward to seeing you as one of our 20 for 20 patrons. So now without further ado, let's get back to the show and to our actual advice. And welcome to our actual advice segment here on the Advice Not Given podcast. This is Kelly, and I am so thrilled to be bringing you guys an actual expert that uh, will not do the nervous giggle that Claire and I did throughout our whole previous conversation. Um, Today, we're going to be talking with Dr. Laurel Prue, and just brought this up to her. Sounds awful like an awful lot like Dr. Drew. So we're going to go with Dr. (laughs) Drew for our conversation today. Um, Dr. Prue is a doctor of physical therapy and orthopedic certified specialist with advanced training in women's health and pelvic health physical therapy care. Yes. Um, Dr. Prue, can you tell us a little bit about what that means in layman's terms? Yes, I would love to. Um, So a pelvic health physical therapist is just a specially trained physical therapist. So we go to PT school, which is a doctorate level education, and learn all about the muscles and bones and nervous system and movement and all that good stuff. Um, And then we specialize in the pelvis. So I tell everybody, anything from your nipples to your knees is what I (laughs) do. (laughs) And um, we take into account your full body movement. um, So that can include um, sexual health. That can include urinary incontinence, meaning like leaking, um, prenatal postpartum, um, pain with intercourse or pelvic pain for men, like penile pain, scrotal pain, even things like endometriosis or interstitial cystitis. Um, Yeah. So anything going on in and around the pelvis also... uh, likely affected with like low back pain or hip pain too. So if you have some chronic stuff going on that's not getting treated out by your normal ortho PT, then you may want to hit up a pelvic health PT because we're looking at everything from the inside out instead of the outside in. Oh, wow. That's great. So I actually went to, um, I don't know what you would call it, maybe like a clinic, like a day long uh, workshop, maybe at a CrossFit gym here in town. And yeah, Yeah. and they had um, a pelvic floor specialist. I'm not sure. I can't remember what the credentials were, but um, I learned a lot, actually. So the coolest thing that I learned was that to think of your core from your nipples to your knees. Yes. Um, or maybe, maybe not so far, but um, to think of it as like a Coke can or aluminum can. Yes, like a canister. Exactly. Yes. Right. That's, I thought that was I'm fascinating because. So proud of you. Look at you taking that away right. from the. Listen, I'm an Enneagram <laughs> five. I do my research. So. <laughs> so, I'm a three um, wing yeah. too. I love that. Okay. Oh, 
perfect. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So they were talking about how like if you crumple the can on the side, the whole thing can fold in, right? Yes. You need it's not just the pelvic floor, like it's not just right. the that the whole r- that area. It's the whole system from your diaphragm, right? Mm-hmm. To your yes, yeah, maybe okay. Preach, girl, you're doing it. Yeah, uh, and that men have pelvic floors too. That was one hundred percent. We have all the same muscles actually. They're just in different shapes. <laughs> Oh, crazy. Okay. So, all right. So you hit on something that I would love to dig into a little bit. And we actually, amongst all of our girlfriend circles, have this conversation quite frequently. Um, Let's talk about incontinence. Like, I think a lot of people just think, oh, okay, well, I've had babies. um, So I pee a little when I laugh real hard or when I run or jump rope or whatever. Can you break that down a little bit and let us know what we need to know about that? Yeah. So there's a few different types of incontinence that we categorize. And what you're talking about is called stress incontinence. Um, So it's called stress incontinence because the more stress put down on the pelvic floor with like jumping, sneezing, laughing, running. So it's not if you're stressed out. So people get kind of confused by that Mm, term. mm -hmm. Um, And basically, if there's pressure in your abdomen down on your bladder, that is more than the strength of your pelvic floor supporting up. So it's this like war between pressure down and strength up. Um, so after having a baby, oftentimes, you know, the pelvic floor muscles have to expand a ton for that baby to come out. And then even just the pressure of being pregnant, um, is going to expand and stress out the pelvic floor a little bit. So even women that have a C-section can have stress urinary incontinence. Um, Mm. and really is, yes, it's getting the strength back, but then we also think about coordination. So just like any other muscle group in the body, um, there needs to be a fast reaction time. So um, not just like when we're laughing, sneezing, coughing, running, jumping, that's a quick change change in pressure. Um, so it's not just holding a really strong Kegel, but we're really retraining our nervous system um, to react in time. So that could be a reason why if some women are like, I do my Kegels. Like, I don't know why this right. is still happening. Well, it's like you can have a really strong pelvic floor and still leak urine. Um, and so that's why a full examination by a pelvic health PT, we're going to test out the strength, um, the coordination. Also, if those muscles can relax, we need those muscles to relax with breathing, with sex, with going to the bathroom. Um, so a lot of women who have just been prescribed, like, do your Kegels, do your pelvic floor muscle exercises, and it's not working for them, there's so many more components to that muscle that we need to look at. Um, wow. Yeah. So, I never thought about that, like being a neurological sort of like trigger that you need to be able to like right. turn on and off. Exactly. Wow. Yes. And it should be automatic. Um, but oftentimes after pregnancy, after surgery, after trauma of any kind, um, that automatic reaction is kind of shut off. So we just need to wow. retrain the coordination and knowing that like this is our bread and butter that we treat. Like we have such great success rates with this. Um, and hmm. instead of just thinking like, oh, I had a baby and it's just, just going to be like that now. Um, no, there's so much that we can do. And it's can make such a big impact on your life as far as, you know, not having to wear black pants if you want to go work out or not stopping right. your <laughs> like yeah, exactly. Not limiting. <laughs> yes. Like if I see that yeah. like box jumps or double unders or something like that is happening on a workout and women are lining up at the bathroom beforehand, then I'm like, okay, we've got an issue that we need to talk about here. Um, and it just, it's a, it's a shame issue. It's also a hygiene issue. Um, and then it's a health issue if women are not doing the physical fitness that they love and want to do. 
um, because of this, these symptoms. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to circle back and talk a little bit about what some of maybe the treatments are, but let's, let's hit on, I want to see from your um, expertise, like what are some other things that we maybe take to be normal or maybe normalized that women just accept that you see in your practice? that we shouldn't, like, I'm loving this conversation about like, no, you're not supposed to pee when you cough. Like, that's not a thing, right? We could fix that. So don't stop accepting it. Maybe it's pain during sex. Like you mentioned that earlier. Like, what are some other things that we should be like, no, actually we can work to fix that? I think pain during sex is a huge one. Um, So when women are cleared for sex postpartum, like what, what does that even mean? Like, yes. Okay. So you're you're not, you're not (laughs) bleeding anymore. Your uterus is healing. Yeah, yeah, but like you get to make that decision. Like, what are you? Yeah. yeah, and and muscles are still like relaxing, reintegrating. Lubrication is still changing. Um, so there's so many different things at play there. Like postpartum bar- body image is a big thing. This new relationship with like you and baby and um, spouse or partner, like. There's just so many layers to that. And so the old adage of like, have some wine and figure it out, like you'll be fine. Like I just really can't get behind. There's so many things that we can address here um, through education, through um, different treatments that may be available. Um, And then also even like pain around a C-section scar or a perineal scar that just doesn't have to be painful. Like there are treatments that we can do to those scars postpartum. And then also... um, like uh, dryness or um, lack of lubrication during menopause, like there's, or pain with intercourse during menopause. Um, So there's so many things that we can do for all of that. Um, And the dismissal of women's issues because it's more of a pleasure thing instead of a medical thing. Um, To pelvic health PTs, it's medical. And pleasure equals quality of life and affects so many other parts of of your health system. So all of those things need to be taken into consideration and, um, and not be dismissed. So I love, it's so encouraging to hear you say that too. And I'm so excited for, for folks to hear this. Um, also I wonder, um, if there's not maybe an aesthetic sort of like vanity stigma around, um, seeking out professional help. Interesting. Yeah, I definitely think there is. And I think that it's getting much better. Um, Sorry if there's any talking in the background. I've tried to find us a quiet spot here. Um, oh no, you're dead. <laughs> you're um, I definitely think that there is some stigma there, and even like, especially in the military healthcare system, everybody knows everybody, and there is um, HIPAA, and we're not supposed to disclose per- personal information. But even just like running into someone in the hallway that you may know, or like at the doctor's office. Um, but I think that we just need to care less about what other people think and more about your quality of life and asking your physician for a referral, asking for more information that should never be um, looked at in a poor manner from a healthcare provider. Um, and I think that actually once like friends and families, if they hear about what you're doing to take care of yourself, they probably wish they would have done the same thing sooner. Like oh, I can't, totally. t- I can't tell you how many um, older female clients of mine who like they heard about pelvic health PT from their daughter who just had a baby. And so mm. I think that it's really um, people are being cheated out of a lack of information. And then as soon as they have the information, they're like, how do I do this? Because then there's no, there's no book about like how to access this care. And so I think that's a really hard 
path to navigate without knowing who you're asking for. And, um, and we as public health PTs also need to do a better job of educating physicians about what we do so that they can refer properly. That's, that's on us too. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. And that it all goes back to like, you don't have to accept certain things as normal when they're clearly medically, physiologically not okay. Like you don't have Correct. to deal with this. Influence. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I tell I people just all the time, like if, if a man was having pain with, and if this happens, if a man has pain with sex, every time he has sex, he is immediately being sent to somebody. Like yeah. everyone's like, red yeah. flags, red flags. This is not. And if a woman does, it's like, well, have you had a baby? Okay. Well, it's like, no, like being a mother doesn't dismiss you from pleasure. Drink your wine and figure it out, right? right. Or yes. like, oh, it must be mental. It must be all in your head. Yes. I can't um, handle that. I cannot handle that. <laughs> even just like social stereotypes or maybe mores that like, I know that I'm trying to shed. So like asking about, um, okay. I, you know what? I'm going to go there. I got some TMI. I'm going to yeah, have a moment. I'm asking let's do it. for friends. But um, you mentioned episiotomy scars. Mm-hmm. So I um, am not sure I had the best seamstress, let's just say. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> so I've always been like, oh, I don't know if that's right. Like, and But there's a piece of me that's always like, oh, Kelly, stop being like, like stop being so vain. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. but there's a reality that I am negating and like ignoring because I'm worried about like, oh no, I don't have, I'm fine. It's fine. Just get over it. You had a baby. It's not going to look the same. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but in reality, I've never had it looked at, you know, I've never had it checked. I've never right. asked. I'm scared. To ask. Is it normal? Right. Is it not normal? Who knows? Right. Because we have so much wrapped around even knowing what your own stuff looks like. Totally. Too far for some totally. people. <laughs> so yeah. How do what would you suggest to people or like how do you have that conversation with people to try to ease them into being more comfortable about knowing their bodies yeah. and uh, advocating for their own bodies? Yeah. So part of it is medical and part of it is pleasure, right? So I I, I think normalizing like your own um, self-awareness of – so it's your vulva on the outside. Your vagina is just the hallway, okay? So I say right, vulva. Right, right. So that's <laughs> – Um, so normalizing what your vulva looks like and realizing like vulvas are not stamped cookie cutter images. They come in all shapes, sizes, colors, um, and all of those, all shapes, (laughs) sizes, colors, like the inner lips are longer than the outer lips. The inner lips may be blue. They may be pink. Like all of that is normal hair, no hair, like wider opening, smaller opening, like all of it is normal. Um, but you need to know what your normal is. And that is a medical issue because if things change, um, which things may change hormonally as we age, um, postpartum, things that may be causing pain or dysfunction. I'm going to wait until these gentlemen walk by me. <laughs> what are you talking about? You guys it's more are they're like rumbling in the background. Um, Coral is taking time out from a conference to speak yeah. with me. Again, thank you. she is overseas on a conference and making time for us. So you guys are super special. Enjoy. Um, but like the things that change um, could be normal for someone else. And so often I'm like, has, has it looked like this before? Does this normally happen around ovulation? Does this normally happen around, around your period? Um, and women don't know what their normal is. And so taking a mirror, looking down there, throwing a leg up on the toilet, um, that's all part of what normal is. Now, postpartum, I actually have a slide in this in this new course that I'm doing that says, looking at your perineum, is it worth it? 
<laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> and so I do recommend waiting a few weeks. There's swelling. There's bleeding. Yeah. There's and it and then owning that like it is going to look different. It's yeah. going to look different. Um, yeah. But we don't want it to be dysfunctional, right? Mm-hmm. So like there's mm-hmm. a difference between a normal process of you have had a baby and then there's a difference of like this now has turned into a, a medical issue or a, an issue where it may be causing you pain or lacking pleasure. Um, and so take a few weeks, um, feel around first, you know, like how are things healing up? Is everything there the way it should be? Um, and then a pelvic health PT is going to kind of like walk you through how everything. So we do like an external assessment first is going to walk you through how everything's looking, how everything's healing, and then like kind of touch on the outside for any tenderness, pain. A lot of times around scars, there becomes like hypersensitivity. So touching that normally wouldn't cause pain is now painful. Um, that's all that hypersensitivity means. Um, mm-hmm. And again, we try. We need to desensitize the nervous system to let it know that it's like it's safe, it's healing, so that not only can oh, you wow. have intercourse without pain, but you can have intercourse with pleasure. Like that's that's really the goal. It's not just like not painful. It's why are we doing this in the first place? Pleasure, right? So totally, yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, well, take me a little bit farther down that process as far as like what an actual exam or like consult, not maybe not a consult, like what it, what do you need to prepare people for who might be I think that's a great question. Yeah. yeah. So first things first is like it's all up to the patient. So we kind of lay out options, but letting people know that they're in control. They can say no to anything. Everything is an option we have and we have multiple of them. And so a lot of people in our world have histories of trauma. And so therefore, a lot of people that we see in pelvic health PT have histories of trauma. Um, and so hypersensitivity to touch, even PTSD, um, maybe even medical PTSD, like they haven't been believed, they've had a traumatic birth, they've had surgery. Yeah. All of that. So we do an extensive history and education before anything happens. Um, then oftentimes we will step out of the room and ask you to undress from the waist down, and then you'll be covered with um, a gown, a sheet, um, anything. And then you're laying down. The majority of pelvic health PTs don't use like stirrups like a gynecologist. You're sitting there, maybe your your legs are supported by pillows. Um, and then we'll pull oh, back. Lovely. Yeah. <laughs> so we'll come back. <laughs> yeah. It's a much more like calming environment. Yeah. And again, this internal kind of assessment of the pelvic floor muscles intervaginally will describe all of that to you and what we're going to do before we do anything. Um, and again, it's up to you. So some women, we don't do that until maybe the third, fourth visit. Some people maybe not don't need it at all, but just for, to cover all your bases, here's what we do. <laughs> so, um, again, we look at the external anatomy, um, test sensation, how everything's looking, we're looking for changes in skin, infection, um, scarring, all that good stuff. Um, and then the internal vaginal assessment, we're using one gloved finger with lubrication. Um, and then we're really feeling the muscles on the sides down. There's specific muscles, muscle anatomy that we're feeling. And if you have pain, we'll maybe ask like, is this pressure okay? What's this sensation? We're looking for a source of your pain. Um, and then with everyone, we test your strength. So we'll ask you to contract, relax, bear down, um, like you're having a bowel movement, and cough, and just kind of a quick muscular assessment. And all of that really takes 
max like seven minutes. Um, to get a good idea, we'll look at your hips, your abdomen, and go through a full movement assessment before you take your pants off. We'll do all of that. Oh, wow. Um, okay. And so then we put those pieces together. So just like you said, like the pelvic floor is a part of the core canister. And so we take what we found from the pelvic floor muscles and put it together with what we found on your hip assessment, your low back assessment, touching through your abdomen to see what those muscles are doing, and maybe how you're like squatting, standing, those sorts of things. Wow. That's fantastic. Okay. And so say I need some rehab, um, yep. I, obviously depending on what that looks like, what sort of, I don't know what word to use, modalities or like how, yeah. do, what does that look like? So that can look like anything from very similar to what orthopedic PT looks like, like us manually working on your back, you doing some core strengthening, um, working on your hip mobility, your hip strengthening. And then the things that are kind of unique to pelvic floor PT, it could be manual therapy to the pelvic floor itself. So very similar to that evaluation, um, we're trying to relax those muscles. And like we would try to relax like your upper trap if it's really tight kind of the same idea. Oh, Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, that's great. Yeah, and then um, we may do a lot of uh, re-education on behavioral stuff. So how are you going to the bathroom, fiber intake, water intake, all of those type of behavioral things, maybe strengthening of the pelvic floor, so like a Kegel or a pelvic floor muscle contraction. Um, And then for people with pain, we do a lot of desensitization. So working up to, um, are you able to tolerate touch, pressure, um, those sorts of things. We use dilators, um, which for people that have pain with intercourse are kind of these, they can be latex, plastic, um, silicone, um, like placeholders. So it's like a vibrator that doesn't vibrate. Um, I love that. I'm sorry. I'm being a child. No, no, no. That's it. Yeah. (laughs) And so we work up in size to your partner. So we start really small and we give them a program to do at home to do like in a safe, quiet, relaxing place. So their Mm. nervous system is really calm. It's not sending any signals of like danger, fear, anxiety. Because as soon as we have danger, fear, anxiety, our pelvic floor clinches up. Mm, And so that's often a huge component with women with pain with intercourse is all of those. Maybe it's previous trauma, PTSD. Maybe it's just, this was really painful the first time I tried. And so what's going to happen now? Like this is how my body reacts. Maybe it is that raise, like being raised with um, sexuality, having a lot of shame behind it. And so we're not getting past that. Um, And so basically we send them home with a program to increase the size of these dilators over time while we are also working on their nervous system. Um, Mm. just with those sorts of techniques. So lots of pelvic floor can look like pelvic floor PT can look like so many different things. Um, and it truly is a unique, um, program or intervention to the person. And I always tell people, if you go in and you have a diagnosis written down and for that diagnosis, you get a handout and a little bit of education and they send you on your way, that's not pelvic health PT (laughs) and you need to go somewhere else. Yeah. Right. So how accessible, I mean, assuming you have your insurance cards are all in place and everything, like how easy, hard is it to actually find a physical therapist or pelvic? Yeah. Okay, wait. Pelvic, pelvic health, health physical therapist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Getting all my P's and T's mixed up. Um, yeah. What, what's the process usually look like? Yeah. Ideally, so it, sh- it will be covered right under your normal physical therapy benefits of your insurance. So it's not a special category of care. If you have physical therapy benefits, you can go see a pelvic health PT. To find oh, one, wow. 
I mean, Dr. Google, you know, right. Um, sure. But as far as people in your area, there's also a find a PT, um, app. I won't call it an app, a function on the, yeah. Um, yeah. the, it's the American physical therapy association website, APTA. There's a section, uh, there's a pelvic health Academy. They just changed the name. Sorry. So it's the pelvic health Academy. Um, they have a find a PT section search bar. So you put in your location and then wow. they will help you find one. There's also um, Pelvic Guru has that function as well. But not everyone is registered, right, on these sites. So a lot of these organizations charge PTs to be registered on these sites. So just to give you a heads up, if they're not on these sites, there can still be a good one in your area. We just yeah. decided to not pay them. Got it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yep, yep. No, that's great to know, though, because I mean, that's one thing that I personally look for. Like, what credentials do I need to look for? Yes. Um, you know, right. Okay. Um, and then I always tell people, don't be afraid to call the office and say, this is what I'm experiencing. Do you have someone that treats this? Um, and I tell people they shouldn't be afraid to call and ask, and we will be honest with you, um, and say, yeah, like, come on in, let's, you know, get you on the schedule. Or if it's like an orthopedic clinic that used to have a pelvic health PT or something anymore, they should, you should ask like, where do you recommend anyone? And we're a big network. So people should often have someone that they're willing and ready to recommend to you. That's fantastic. I have like a million more questions. (laughs) (laughs) I need to set it. Okay. Last, the last thing, and then we'll, we'll tell people how to find you. Um, so I was scrolling your amazing Instagram page and you guys, um, Dr. Prue's brand is called Fem Unfolding. S E M. Oh, it's so awesome and beautiful. And informative. and just, anyway, it's crazy, but you spend a lot of time talking on your Instagram about pelvic bone pain. Yeah. I don't know what that is. I mean, I've, I've been bumped before, like bruised, yeah. uh, from, like activity that you know, I've ran into a dresser or something, you know, and that's, I get that, but I don't know what pelvic bone pain is. Can you explain Yeah. That? So our bony pelvis is like a ring, right? So the pubic bone is in the front. Your sacrum is like a triangle bone in the back and there's joints, um, in both of those places. So as we, um, women have more movement in those joints than men do. There's generally not a lot of movement, but that area of our body takes a lot of stress from our legs, from our, um, torso down. And then with pregnancy, the added weight of baby, and then your ligaments get more loose throughout pregnancy. And so the ligaments that are holding these joints together, so it can just feel kind of achy, like a sprain, but in your pelvis. Um, and often again, this is dismissed and maybe you're given like a brace and said like, oh, it's just pregnancy. Like just once you have the baby, it'll go away. And we know now that that's not true (laughs) and that women who are having pelvic girdle pain, pubic bone pain, SI joint pain, postpartum are more likely to have postpartum depression. They're more likely to have pain 18 months out. Um, and so really like early intervention about this is really important. And so advocating for yourself that you really want to go to a physical therapist, um, will help you with quality of life. And I always tell women who are like, Oh, I'll just have the baby and wait and see what happens. And I say, I tell them what I know, but I also say, what sounds more miserable than trying to get out of the house with a newborn while you're in pain (laughs) Mm. (laughs) to get to an appointment? (laughs) Like, Mm. let's take care of you now. And then so you're saying like, this is during pregnancy even. So you it can happen. Be- totally. Yes. During pregnancy. Um, and then it can happen to athletes that aren't pregnant and have never been pe- pregnant or women mm-hmm. um, 
you know, so it's just a different joint in our body um, that, again, is more likely to have some pain and discomfort in women than men because of our hormonal changes, the way that our pelvis is shaped. And so, again, it's one of these things that are dismissed a little more because of the population <laughs> that it occurs right. in, yeah. unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and But I tell people it's just like any other joint in the body. If your ankle hurt, you sprained your ankle, you would go get it checked out when it's not resolving Gosh, you know, it's so true. It's so true. What is it? Oh, I know it's like, this area of our body that we've like disconnected with reality, and I don't get it. Yeah, even, even just talking and like hearing you talk, I'm like, oh, it's so hard to like locate or explain anything. Like, we don't learn our anatomy. Right, we don't have the language for it. We, we don't, don't even know. And that was a big. That's a big part of like Claire's Claire and I's conversation, specifically around intimacy. Is like you don't even know your own body. You can't. It like even like okay, this is an uncomfortable conversation with a medical professional. Of course, talking yeah. about your intimate, <laughs> but honestly, and, and, and know that like we live for this. Like, come <laughs> talk to us. We literally thrive off of helping you. Like, do us Aww. a favor and like yeah. come talk to us about your vulva or like that you like can't can't get off with clitoral stimulation or penetration like yep we'll figure that out like we have we know your anatomy and we'll be like oh clitoral stimulation check let's look for these tissues like there's stuff that you can do about it and so just know that like it's not just oh i'm one of those people that just like doesn't get that in life like no wow there's so much that we can do there's no more of that Trust me, yeah. after this episode, we're all done with that mess. <laughs> uh, wow. Like, I mean, yeah, no, I have still so many more questions, but we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna wrap this up. So you have um you have some online resources, yes. Uh, for people well, to we have some online those. resources coming. Okay. My um so okay. I do do some online consults. If anyone from a distance wants to chat, I'm more than willing. You can schedule through my website. I'm sorry it's so loud behind me right now. Everyone's getting very excited for the afternoon session. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But femunfolding.com is my website. Um, My hope is to provide more kind of permanent online resources there in the next year as far as courses go. And then um, on Instagram, I do a ton of education. So that's where kind of all my education lives right now. And that's fem, F-E-M dot unfolding dot com. Uh, Not dot com. It's on Instagram. There's no dot com. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so a lot of my stuff lives there. You can DM me there. I go live quite a bit with other people. Um, So that's kind of the best place to find me at this point. Dr. Kurt, thank you so much. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us this week on Advice Not Given. For resources and links to all the things mentioned in today's episode, head over to our website at millspogurus.com. That's M-I-L-S-P-O-G-U-R-U-S. If you enjoyed this episode, please help others find us by adding your thoughts to an iTunes review and subscribing so you never miss a show. If you're interested in being a next level supporter of our endeavors, check out our Patreon page. You can pledge as little as a dollar per episode to help us out with expenses. Think of it as eavesdropping on our coffee date, but then sending over a latte. It's a thing. Also, be sure to find us on Instagram and Facebook at Gurus, where we keep the conversation going and where you can share your advice not given.